You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. of heart. The gang had singleness of heart. See, when God looked down upon the church, when God looks down upon Calvary Chapel, He's looking for one heart. We're His body. He's looking for one heart. He's looking for us to be one together. One. And I think it's extremely important. And each of us has to do our job to make sure that that happens. We need to make sure, just like these guys in Judah, these guys from Israel, who came down. They were so excited to be invited. I bet the ones that came couldn't believe that they were invited. Doesn't it feel great to be right? Unfortunately, we all know that this isn't possible all the time. None of us are perfect, and we can't be right all the time. Today, Pastor Dave explains that you need to stop trying to be perfect and let God lead your life. Put your faith in God and know that every decision He makes for you is perfect. Now, here's Pastor Dave in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 30 as he continues his message... Hezekiah's Passover. Then they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the second month. This is all according to how Passover was supposed to be done in Exodus. The priests and the Levites were ashamed and sanctified themselves and brought burnt offerings to the house of the Lord. They stood in their place according to the custom, according to the law of Moses, the man of God, and the priests sprinkled the blood received from the hand of the Levites. For there were many in the assembly who had not sanctified themselves. Therefore, the Levites had charge of the slaughter of the Passover lambs for everyone who was not clean to sanctify them to the Lord. Where are we going? We're going to 17. That was it. This great assemble, they all gathered for the Passover. Not only had the Passover been neglected in Judah and Israel for a long, long time, but this Passover allowed them to have the northern people come. And they were becoming together one nation once again. They were becoming a unified nation once again as the remnant came down. Can you imagine the excitement? We don't know. Maybe there were families that were separated. Maybe there were families that had been separated by the division of the, of, of the tribes. Maybe there were friends who had been separated by the divisions. And now all of a sudden, they're together once again. And they're fellowshipping with the Lord. And they're having a great time. This is incredible. This is what God wanted. This was God wanted. And they took away the altars in Jerusalem. These altars were for pagan gods. And they were unauthorized altars to the true God. They were both prohibited. And as a demonstration, in order to prepare for the Passover, the city was cleaned of all the idolatrous and unauthorized worship. What did they do? They got rid of the leaven. They got rid of the leaven. Leaven always represents sin. They got rid of it. It's part of the Passover process. They get rid of the sin to clean yourself. They slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the second month, according to the law. This shows that the Passover being celebrated according to the scriptures. They didn't forsake the scriptures. They're following it to the T. I'm sure this pleased the Lord. They took care to honor and obey in their celebration of this most important feast. Now, I got to thinking about this. 
And this is what I like. One thing that we do on the first Sunday of every month, we take great care to obey what Paul had written to us in 1 Corinthians about how to do the Passover. I mean, how to do the communion, excuse me. How to celebrate communion. I think it's important that we do it that way. I think it's extremely important that we follow the prescribed method that Paul gave to us. I think it's important. And we look at these things and, and we remember the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And we take time to recite the scriptures. I read them every time. I read the same scriptures every single time. There's a reason for that. It gives us a chance to reflect on our own lives, to examine ourselves, to, to rid ourselves of anything that might be coming between us and the Lord. We recite the scriptures. We remember and we repair the things that need to be repaired. And if need be, we commit, recommit our life to Christ. And this is what communion is. And there is, it is ritualistic, but we don't do it ritually or traditionally. We try to change it up a little bit in some of the things that I say. But we come to the Lord because we're told to come to the Lord. And when you do this, remember me. It's one of the sacraments that have been introduced by Jesus Christ, that and baptism. It's the two things that we do. We need to do them. We need to practice them as a church. It's extremely important to partake of communion. We have people who don't partake of communion. And for the life of me, I don't understand why. And I've heard before, I'm not worthy. Well, that's true. None of us are. None of us are. But it is something that's been given to us by Jesus to do. To do. Clean yourself. If you read on down in 1 Corinthians 11, after verse 26, it talks about examining yourself. It talks about making sure your heart's right and you're, you're, you have nothing against a brother or a sister. And making sure you have those things before you come to the table of the Lord. It talks about those things. So it's very, very important. But all this time, all this time, God's grace is so visible here. God's great, amazing grace is so visible here because he could be coming down with wrath on these Levites who aren't consecrated. He could be coming down with wrath on these ones who aren't really following to a T everything they're supposed to. And I think it's external. Let's look at 18 and 20. For the multitude of people, many from Ephraim, Manasseh, Ishkatar, and Zebulun, had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate at the Passover contrary to what was written. But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May the good Lord provide atonement for everyone who prepares his heart to seek God, the Lord God of his fathers, though he is not cleansed according to the purification of the sanctuary. And the Lord listened to Hezekiah and healed the people. I love that. I love that, man. I'm liking Hezi better and better all the time, man. This guy is cool. This guy is cool. So he intercedes for all these people. He intercedes for them. The multitude seems to have mostly come from the remnant of the northern tribes. And they would naturally be ignorant on what to do. I mean, they're up there worshiping idols and all kinds of things. They have no idea what the Passover is. It hadn't been celebrated in years and years and years and years. So they come in completely ignorant of what to do. I didn't know I was supposed to be consecrated. I didn't know I was supposed to be sanctified before we did this. I had no idea. Yet, they ate the Passover contrary to what was written. It means they didn't follow the law. They didn't have time to do these things. Now, we would expect fire to come down from heaven to kill these guys because they went contrary to God's law. And all through the scriptures, we see anybody that goes contrary to God's law becomes a crispy critter. And we see those things. 
But that's not what happened. Hezekiah prayed for them. Hezekiah interceded on their behalf to God, asked the Lord to provide atonement to them. And in response, the Lord did it and healed his people. He did it and healed his people. Anybody thinking of of a scripture? I'm thinking of a scripture. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. They had forsaken all. They came to Jerusalem. They came to Jerusalem where they were supposed to. They were doing what they were supposed to do. And God had mercy on them. God had grace upon them because of Hezekiah's prayer. And God wasn't going to kill them. He knew that their heart was in the right place. He knew it was a matter of their heart. And God always looks upon the heart. He always looks upon the heart. And I I just like this. It's beautiful. This shows the wonderful arm and grace and mercy by God. By the letter of command, the people deserve judgment for their disobedience. But God showed his great mercy who prepared their hearts to seek God. And through their ignorance, they didn't know about the commandments of God. It sounds so familiar, and I love it. And we keep coming back to this over and over and over and over. But it's worth reading. Mark spent so much time on this and Ephesians 2, verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ. By grace you are saved. Wow. This is what's happening right here, gang. God has, was so rich in mercy, so loving to these people. These were his people. These were his children. These were the nation Israel, even though they had separated themselves and they had gone their own way, even though they were idolaters and they had sinned, God still loved them. God still loved them and let them do these things. I love this. I just think this is so cool. When we see this in the Old Testament, we see God's grace just jumping out on us. It's just gorgeous. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. It's just something that really touches my heart because I know God to be a gracious God. He's a wonderful, gracious God who loves his children. I love what Guzik said, so I have to read it. Their pattern for preparing to receive the Passover is instructive for those who come to the communion table, especially those who feel unworthy to partake of communion. They forgot their differences and came together as one people. I love that. They forgot their differences. Remember I told you, Israel and Judah hated each other. They were at war constantly. They were at war killing each other, but they forgot their differences and they came together as one. They forgave. They removed their idols. They got rid of the leaven. They got rid of the sin. They prepared their hearts. They prepared their hearts. Their sins and ignorance were confessed. And they prayed. I love this. This is great. They had great fellowship. They had great worship. And the word of God was taught. Look at 21 and 22. So the children of Israel who were present at Jerusalem kept the Feast of Unleavened Bread Seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing to the Lord, accompanied by loud instruments. And Hezekiah gave encouragement to all the Levites who taught the good knowledge of the Lord. And they ate throughout the feast seven days, offering peace offerings and making confession to the Lord God of their fathers. Woo-hoo! Sounds like Calvary Chapel, man. Come on, they ate. They chowed down. But they worshiped. And they prayed, and they were taught the word of God. The Levites taught them, and they listened. Uh, This is so cool. It's just so really neat. 
There was a special gladness that was coming over even the northern tribes. I would imagine they're sitting there going, why didn't we know these things? Why weren't we taught these things? Look how wonderful it is to be with my brothers and my sisters. This is wonderful. They had never experienced such obedience and joyful worship. They praised the Lord all day long, singing to the Lord. Imagine the joy that was in their hearts. Oh my, this must have been incredible. The Levites taught the knowledge of the Lord. They taught the Bible. They taught the word of God. The gathering at Passover was not only given to worship, but it was given to teaching. They were teaching the word of God. I love it. This was helpful in good times. One might say it was urgently needed in the presence of the northern tribes. The remnant of the northern tribes came to God in ignorance, and his mercy, God received them. They came in their ignorance, and God received them. Maybe when you accepted the Lord, I know when I accepted the Lord, I had no idea what I was doing, but I knew I had to do it. I know the pressure was intense. I know I had to do it, but I really didn't understand what I was supposed to do. I couldn't believe that I cried out to the Lord and prayed. And something happened because my countenance changed. And as soon as I walked into school, my dear friend, Angelo Salinio, who happened to be an Assembly of God pastor, saw me and looked at my eyes and said, what did you do? I didn't say anything to him. He said, what did you do? I said, I think I accepted the Lord. He said, praise Jesus. Grab my hand right there in the hallway of the school and prayed. It was cool. It was incredible. It was incredible. Out of ignorance, I just did what I thought I had to do. I accepted the Lord Jesus. And then you learn afterwards. And that's what happened here. These people out of ignorance came to Jerusalem because they knew they needed it in their heart. They know they needed it. His remnants. They ate for seven days. Yeah. Woohoo! My kind of people. Ate for seven days, man. But they made peace offerings and confession too. They, it was all connected. They ate, they praised, they taught. They ate, they gave sacrifice, they taught, they confessed. It was all together. They did this, and they fellowshiped. They fellowshiped. They shared the same food. They shared the same relationship with God, and they shared the same need for him. These things happen. The results can't be anything but blessing. Let's finish out 23 through 27. We'll finish this chapter. Then the whole assembly agreed to keep the feast another seven days. That's where we're having such a good time. Let's go on some more. Come on, let's go. I love that. I told you about the time I go, I go to retreats and we're up there worshiping the Lord and we're having a great time and somebody says it's dinner time and I go, I don't want to eat. I want to sit here and praise the Lord. I know, B goes, what's wrong with you? I don't know, that's crazy. So. And they kept it another seven days with gladness. They kept it another day, seven days with gladness. For Hezekiah, king of Judah, gave to the assembly a thousand bulls and 7,000 sheep. And the leaders of the assembly gave to the assembly a thousand bulls and 10,000 sheep. And a great number of priests sanctified themselves. The whole assembly of Judah rejoiced. Also the priests and the Levites, all the assembly that came from Israel. Remember, that's the northern kingdom. The sojourners who came from the land of Israel and those who dwelt in Judah. So there was great joy in Jerusalem. For since the time of Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, there had not been anything like this in Jerusalem. Then the priests, the Levites, arose and blessed the people, and their voice was heard, and their prayer came up to his holy dwelling place to heaven. Oh, this is cool. They kept on feasting. There's no indication that they offered more Passover lambs. They didn't have to, but they continued eating the unleavened bread, which belonged to a specific seasons of the feast. The emphasis was on worship, was on teaching, was on fellowship, and I'm sure they prayed. Since Solomon, 
Since Solomon, they hadn't done this. They celebrated this. This is a beautiful, beautiful thing. And notice, notice in verse 27, the priests and Levites also bless the people. What did they say? Number six, absolutely. You hear it every single Sunday. You hear it every single Sunday. It's the Aaronic blessing. It was a blessing that Aaron was given to use. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you. The Lord be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. That's the Aaronic blessing. Blessing from the priest gave the blessing. You can read it in number six, verses 22 through 37. 27. Yeah. So think about it. Think what's going on here. I just, this verse got me excited. You couldn't tell. It got me excited. It got me excited. Turn with me now to those thrilling days of yesteryear, to the book of Acts, chapter 2. Turn to chapter 2 of the book of Acts. The Holy Spirit has fallen upon the 120 in the room. They came out speaking in tongues. There was a great multitude. They couldn't understand how they were hearing God being praised in their own language. And Peter got up and gave this incredible sermon. And 3,000 of them were saved. 3,000 were saved in one day. And then they just kept on going and going. And it says in verse 40 of chapter 2, it says, And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. And those who gladly received his word were baptized. That day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, in fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. And great fear came upon every soul, and many signs of wonders were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple, breaking of bread house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. Tell me this doesn't sound like what happened in Judah. Sounds exactly like what happened in Judah. People were coming back to the Lord. People were coming back to the Lord. The four pillars of a church, the four pillars of a church, the apostles' doctrine, which is the word of God. The breaking of bread is twofold. On Monday night, it's Philly pretzels. But the breaking of bread is twofold. It means eating a meal together, but more importantly, it means communion. Breaking of bread means communion, communion, fellowship, koinonia, spirit-filled fellowship, and prayer. Four pillars of the church. And notice, I said this before, that when the pandemic hit and we became non-essential, Satan took one of our legs. He took fellowship away from us. That's how important it is. You can't have a table with three legs. The table has to have four legs. You take one away, the table starts to fall. Satan knew what he was doing. He knew what he tried to do. But praise God, God is greater than that. God is awesome than that. God is awesome to that. And here we are. And my favorite verse out of those, out of those four or five verses, seven verses, my favorite verse 
If I do everything that they're told here, we continue here at Calvary Chapel to teach God's word line upon line, verse upon verse. If we continue to fellowship one to another, if we break the bread, first Sundays of every month we have communion. We have various things throughout the week. We eat, we enjoy each other's company, and we pray Sunday night after each service. What does it say in 47? And the Lord added to the church daily those who would be saved. He's not my job, man. My job is to keep teaching the word of God, giving places for us to fellowship, to break the bread and pray. That's what we do. And it's the Lord will add to the church daily those who are being saved. This is what happened as far as I'm concerned in Judah. This is what happened that day. But I want to, one more thing before we close today. In order for all this to happen, in order for all this to happen, two things had to happen. Well, three things actually had to happen first. Jesus had to ascend into heaven. And the apostles had to wait. They had to wait in Jerusalem. But before the Holy Spirit fell, which is the third thing that had to happen. First thing was Jesus ascended into heaven. The third thing was the Holy Spirit fell upon the disciples with power, dunamis power. They spoke in tongues. They did miracles and signs and wonders. What was the middle thing? You got it. They were of one accord. They had singleness of heart. They were like-minded. There was unity in the brethren. Think about it. Think about it. There was unity in the brethren. And that is extremely important. Jesus told them to wait. And they did. They did exactly what Jesus told them to do. They were in that room for 10 long days. They probably ate and prayed. They might have even talked about Jesus. We don't know really what went on. I can't wait to find out what went on in that upper room. But constantly, you go back and read it. It says, they were of one accord. They were like-minded. They were of one accord. It says that. Read your scriptures. It says that. And then the Holy Spirit fell. And then the Holy Spirit fell. And then things started to happen. But that one thing of them being like-minded and of one accord had to happen first. And I think that's primary. And you see it, what we read today. What did it say? They had singleness of heart. The gang had singleness of heart. See, when God looked down upon the church, when God looks down upon Calvary Chapel, he's looking for one heart. We're his body. He's looking for one heart. He's looking for us to be one together. One. And I think it's extremely important. And each of us has to do our job to make sure that that happens. We need to make sure, just like these guys in Judah, these guys from Israel, who came down. They were so excited to be invited. I bet the ones that came couldn't believe that they were invited. These guys hate us and they're inviting us in. Let's go. And it was a wonderful, beautiful time. You see what happens here. You see what happens. See, this is God's plan. God's plan is for unity. God's plan is for unity. And then great things happen after that with the Holy Spirit. We pray constantly for the Holy Spirit to fall upon this place. We pray constantly for people to have utterances in the Holy Spirit, whether they be tongues or prophecy. We pray for healings. We pray for all the things. We want all the gifts of the Holy Spirit to be evident in this church. We want them all to happen in this church. We need to be that like-minded unity. We need to be tightly knit together by the blood of Jesus Christ because of the cross. And that's the commonality that we all share. And that's what we need to do. You are a sure 
Thank you for joining us here today on A Sure Hope. In this series, Pastor Dave has been teaching through the book of 2 Chronicles. The book follows the kingship of Solomon all the way through until both Judah and Israel are taken over by other kingdoms surrounding them. There are many moments of great faith within these pages and also typical moments of falling away from where Israel had begun. But the moments of faith put a spotlight on God and His amazing ways of coming through for His people. No matter the situation, God is on the throne. He's more powerful than any opposing country or enemy that's coming against you. So take courage and believe God for big things today. If you're enjoying this series from Assure Hope, we invite you to check out more messages at assurehoperadio.com. Get to know more about Pastor Dave while you're there. You can also get a feel for the church behind this ministry, too. That church is Calvary Chapel, Cape May, in Cape May, New Jersey. Please feel free to explore our website to get more information on service times and other useful information. If you're not in the area, why not find us on Facebook or YouTube? We live stream our services to both of these platforms. Find links to both of these on our website, assurehoperadio.com. If for any reason you'd like to email us, you're welcome to do that as well. Our email address is info at capewatchradio.com. Our time is up for now, but make sure you come back again for another edition with Pastor Dave, teaching through the book of Second Chronicles on a sure hope. You've